Well, good morning, Springbrook, and happy Father's Day. All right? Why don't we all stand up? Okay? Let's all stand up, and let's give a standing ovation to the dads who are here today. Yeah. All right, you can be seated. Uh, we have a special gift for dads. Uh, we spared no, no expense in getting these. We went all the way to Wheeling, Illinois to pick up some Matt's cookies. So we had ushers come forward, and dads can take, a, uh, I think it's a package of two cookies, and look at that cookie. Doesn't that, oh, oh got to have a cookie. <laughs> so... That's our gift to you, dads. You know, another thing that we're going to do is we're going to identify uh, some dads in our audience today who uh, are going to get a free multi-tool screwdriver. I mean, this is the real Stanley one, all right? So who's going to get this unbelievable screwdriver? Well, the youngest father with first child in the womb, right? Life begins at conception. Youngest father with first child has actually been born. Father with the most children. The oldest father. Father with the most grandkids. So start thinking about that and see if you might match any of those descriptors. So let's start out. We've got uh, Rich. Where is Rich? Yeah, okay. Let's stand up, bud. Do we have anybody else? Bill. Okay. All right, so... If you feel you might be the youngest father with a first child that's still in the womb, stand up. Any pregnant ladies out there? Is there a twinkle in anybody's eye? <laughs> All right, well, let's go to the next one. The youngest father with their first child born. Oh, up here? Who else do we have? How long, bud? What's that? Oh, he's 12 now. Okay, so that's your first son. Anybody beat that? All right. Congratulations, Tony. <laughs> How about the father with the most children? Stand up if you have four or more children. Four or more children. All right. Now let's go to five or more children. Five or more children. Six or more children. Anybody still standing? Nope. Okay. Well, find somebody rich to give that one to. The closest person next to you. <laughs> All right. How about the father with, the, or excuse me, the oldest father? Do we have any wise old fathers with us? Okay, Kurt, how old are you, bud? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. He is a wise father, so I would encourage you all to go to him for wisdom. I, I walk around the building with Kurt, and we exercise on Fridays, and he's got a lot of wisdom to give. And how about the father with the most grandkids? Who would that be? Bill or Kurt or... How many have, Bill? Eight? Bill? 
Hey, oh, hey, Kurt gets <laughs> Those guys are friends. They can share it. No doubt. <laughs> well, Father's Day is a very, very special day. Because we want to honor those men who play the role of fathers in our lives, which are so very critical. In fact, here's a statement. An engaged and loving father is the most powerful man-making force on the planet. Think about that. The engaged and loving father is the most powerful man-making force on the planet. The opposite is also true. When fathers are absent physically or emotionally, the wound that results is profound. Man, you really need to understand this. Because the way you interact with your kids, the way you love your kids, meet their needs is going to impact their entire life. There's a lot of people who have father wounds. Uh, They didn't have a good relationship uh, with their dads. Maybe their dads were distant or cold or never showed affection. absent, Uh, maybe they were very critical, never had any good thing to say about you, and uh, maybe even abusive. And for those of you here today who might have a, a type of father wound in your life, I would really encourage you uh, to talk to someone about it, because many times we have it, and we say, oh, whatever, that's just life, right? Everybody's got a father wound. Well, a lot of people do, but uh, there's a great book out there by Norm Wright called uh, A uh, Dad-Sized Hole in My Heart. If you just go on the Internet, Christian books about father wounds, uh, you'll find a couple of them. But it's really important to reflect upon that. I know it also, also is a difficult day for those who have uh, lost your father, maybe in the last five years, and it's just still kind of weird not having dad around. Or, or maybe your dad is near death. He's sick, really, really sick. And you're really concerned <laughs> that you only have so much time with him left. Yeah. But they're tough situations. So if you have mixed feelings today about Father's Day, I want to encourage you with the verse. Because God, God is your Father. Right? I love this verse, Zephaniah 3.17. The Lord your God is in your midst. Notice it's not His midst. He's in your midst. He's right next to you. Right next to you. A mighty one who will save He is our Savior and will continue to save us as we move throughout life. He will rejoice over you with gladness. Have you ever thought about God that way? Just rejoicing over you. It doesn't say rejoicing over a group of people. It says rejoicing over you with gladness. He will exalt over you with loud singing. 
That's really interesting, isn't it? You think of God singing over you. Who has sung over you recently? My wife gave me a call this morning and uh, saying happy Father's Day to me. Uh, so <laughs> that happened recently. But usually people don't sing over you, right? But God just rejoices. He sings and he'll quiet you by his love. Isn't that powerful? You feel unsettled inside. You feel disturbed. You feel anxious. And he should come along and quiet you by his love. Just because of your relationship with him, what you know about him, and the love he's expressing is going to comfort you. That's the kind of God we have. And that's why we want to tell this whole community about who Jesus Christ is. Because he's such a great, great God. Well, we're going to talk about uh, the balance between family and uh, a career, which is a struggle for a lot of people, especially dads, of course. Of course, a lot of moms work, but we'll be talking about dads today. You know, how do you strike that balance? It's really very challenging, isn't it? I can remember when I was just a young guy and we had babies. This is a picture of me, okay? And this is how I, I babysat uh, my boys. Right there. <laughs> you know, I would work something out where I could get them situated and keep them happy, and then I could work away on my computer. Because, like many guys, when I finished the wedding project, I moved on to the career project. So I was out of seminary, started my first church in Nina, Wisconsin, and I was just consumed with it. And uh, Lori was very, very patient with me. And, uh, and finally God got a hold of me and said, Dan. You're cheating your family in order to pursue your work. And it took a while. Because guys just kind of wired that way. Our verse for today is Ephesians 5.25. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave Himself up. For her. We're to submit to our wives. We're to consider their needs greater than our needs. That's a, that's a calling that we have as husbands and also as fathers. So, how do you strike this balance between family life and work life? Well, it's, it's really complicated. You need the, well, first of all, people have all different types of expectations, right? Of what a dad should be and what a mom should be. And of course, there's a day when we realize that we become like our mother or father. <laughs> In areas that we didn't want to become like them. I know I sneeze like my dad. I mean, I could be in a huge crowd and hear him sneeze. And I'd say, that's my dad right there. I'm going to find him. 
And I have the same thing. I mean, I sneeze and it's like a point one on the Richter scale. I, mean, I really just startled people. And, and my, my wife says, stop that. And what am I doing? Stop that. How can I stop that? You know, it just comes on. You know, and of course, other good things that um, my dad was compassionate and, and giving and loving. Uh, so, so our parents are very important in determining our expectations about marriage. Now, they're not perfect. We're not going to be perfect. Sometimes it can be a positive modeling, and sometimes it can be a negative modeling. You see, this is how people grow as Christ followers. How they're discipled is they continue to listen to the Word of God, whether they're reading it or hearing it be taught, memorizing it. They listen to the Word of God, and it corrects their thinking about expectations of what God wants. And that's why we're part of a community, because you're looking at other fathers, you're looking at other husbands. And many times, that's what what changes a dad who, who sees it in other guys and say, yeah, I should do that. So it's just growth along the discipleship pathway. Then there are the external expectations that keep coming at us. You know, saying how we need to work as hard as we can to make as much money as we can to have a lifestyle uh, that we want. Uh, we have external expectations in a sense. Of course, our supervisor <laughs> he gives us a lot of expectations. But it's interesting, you know, if you're a very ambitious person, you'll be ahead of your supervisor, right? Which can be good or bad, depending on how you're treating uh, your family. You're just giving it all. But the problem is, is that you're cheating your family. Andy Stanley, a nationally known pastor, just a gift of the body. You probably heard some of his teaching. And uh, he wrote a book called Choose to Cheat. That's an interesting title, right? Choose to cheat. Now, why would anyone want to choose to cheat? Well, the problem is, is that we program our minds, sometimes subconsciously, you know, through our parents and expectations that the world tells us or, you know, what our brothers and sisters have accomplished or done. And and so we have all these expectations of what life should look like. And so we have an ideal view of a, a great job. I mean, okay, this is what I want to accomplish on my job. And then you have an ideal view, not strong, about being a dad and being a husband. And then, of course, you got all kinds of other areas in your life. That's another circle. So you have these... Three visions, one might say. And you say, i got to get out there and make it happen. It is possible to do it all. Is it possible? No. Right? That's the biggest lie. You can't have your cake and eat it too. You can't have a great career as well as an unbelievable family life. You could, but 
many times it doesn't work out too well. Because you just can't do it. You see, we need breathing space. So what what is breathing space? Well, okay, so you're a person and you start taking on these uh, burdens, these visions that you have for all areas of your life. And on a day-by-day basis, you've got to cheat somewhere, right? You've got to cheat your family and say, well, no, can't be there, can't do that. And uh, most guys don't cheat their jobs, right? And that's a problem because of some of the things I've, I've talked about. And, of course, our society encourages it. And the mindset is, I've got to provide for the family. I've got to provide for the family, so I have to work hard, and I need to work smart in order that I might even get more money for our family so we can live better. And so that's how they justify it to their wife. Hey, this is in your interest that I'm working this much, that I'm not spending much time with you or the kids. I am preparing us for a better future. That is a lie from Satan. It really is. Because you have to cheat somewhere. Some vision has to be adjusted. And with guys, typically, it's with work and not family. Let's look at the work reward. This is also a very important thing to realize why guys love to work. You get things done, right? I love that feeling. You send off that email. You do that presentation. You nail a conversation with a customer. Yes, I got it done. And the admiration of your coworkers. This might not be the case. I don't know. But uh, yeah, you like other people to see you working well, performing well, being part of the team, being a leader. That feeds guys' egos. And then you get more responsibility because you're doing so well with what you have. And therefore, that means what? More time, right? More time has to be invested and taken away from the family and maybe more money. It's not guaranteed. (laughs) You get a promotion and sometimes money is there, sometimes it's not. And you get awards. That's cool, huh? Salesman of the year, you're going to the Bahamas and uh, all types of different awards that might be given out. Because your company is trying to motivate you to work as hard as possible. And you will get pushback if you're not working as hard as other people. Right? They say, hey, you're not carrying your weight here. It's kind of a dicey situation. Now, Andy Stanley wrote this book, Choose to cheat. Choose to cheat. Then it was retitled, I don't know, ten years later, and it's uh, When Work and Family 
collide. Choose the cheap. That's the most current book. Only costs like eight bucks on Amazon. I tell you what. <laughs> and I think from now on, everybody I marry, I'm going to give this book to the groom. Because <laughs> I want to spare him pain. And I want to disciple him and say, read this book. Discuss this book with your wife. Because it is so very, very important. Now, Eddie Stanley, a tremendous leader, uh, he and five other guys had a vision to plant a church in north, in the Atlanta area, uh, that would reach all parts of the city. And so they were drawing out organizational charts, and, you know, Andy had his name in like 30 different boxes, and... uh, but he also had a wife at home. And, he, and she was a great wife. She was so supportive and everything. But she had two in diapers, and she had one on the way. So Andy really felt this tension. He had this vision for the church and the vision for the family. And one of the visions was going to have to be cut a little bit. Cut back. One of these visions, he would have to cheat. So what he did is he went home to his wife. He said, honey, I want you to be really honest with me. How much of me do you need? How much can I work and still meet my responsibilities here at home? And first of all, you know, she was like, oh, no, Andy, it's okay. It's okay. And he said, oh, no, it's not okay. Tell me. Uh, So finally she really realized he wanted to tell her. And so she said, well, between four to six is really a tough time. That's kind of like when I bottom out in the day. And we say, okay, so what time do you want me home? And again, she was sheepish to answer. And uh, she said, 4.30. (laughs) Again, if you're an entrepreneur, you're starting a business, especially in the beginning, it does consume you. There's a certain season where a lot of things need to happen at once and a lot of things have to come together. What Andy Stanley did is he told his team, listen guys, I don't want to cheat my family, so I'm walking out of here at 4.30 every day. (laughs) The other guys are going, what? (laughs) I'm walking. You don't have to do it. I mean, whatever God leads you to do, but I am going to make my family a priority, and I am going to give this to God. Now, usually what guys say is, God, I'll take care of the business, but could you take care of my family? Right? You take care of my family. I really love them. I want to help them. I want to be their dad, be the husband, but... uh, you know, I got all these things to do over here, and so 
I know you can take care of my family. But what Andy did is he said, God, I'm making a commitment to fulfill the needs of being a father and a dad. And could you take care of the church where I'm kind of cheating my time on my perfect vision? Just the opposite, right? It's reversed. And it really freaks guys out when they start to think that way. Because they're afraid. Fear. Fear drives many of our behaviors. And so they're afraid if they don't put the hours in, if they're not a, you know, a high performer, if they don't give the time that their job will be in jeopardy. That could be, I don't know. But again, God will honor you for not cheating your family. But you are giving your all to them. So those are the work rewards, okay? Now here's the family rewards. Satisfaction of being a good father. You know, you're pleasing God. You know that you're spending time with your kids. You're discipling your kids. You're helping them to become followers of Jesus Christ who are very, very, uh, <clears throat> a very important value for them. And then you get the admiration of your wife. Like, wow, you really have changed, you know? But that only lasts so long, you know, because <laughs> in the past, you know, I maybe cleaned up a room or something, something extraordinary, <laughs> which doesn't take much. And, <laughs> and so I go tell my wife, oh, you got to come see this. you got to come see what I did. I transformed this room. And she looks at it and says, that's great. That's great. And I work on another room. I say, come here, honey. Come here. You've got to see this. This is totally different. You're really going to be impressed. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's good. <laughs> and the funny thing about us dads is she's doing this kind of stuff all the time. And we never thank her, right? We never admire her. I mean, you should go home and you should say, wow, look at this kitchen floor. It is clean. I'm going to lick it. It's so clean. Look at this bathroom. Look how clean it is. It inspires me to want to use it, but I can't right now. <laughs> I mean, look at the rug. Are you taking care of the rug? <laughs> that's, no. No, that's not us. And because you're, you're just doing what you're expected to do, right? I mean, she's pleased that you're helping, but at the same time, she's not going to praise you uh, to a great degree like you might feel on the job. And you get more responsibility. You know, I was thinking about this uh, this week, and I said, what's the one thing that could solve this whole problem? You don't have any kids, right? I mean, think about it. If you don't have any kids, but you don't have all of these things you have to do. And I'll tell you right now, if you feel 
like your life is out of control, the last thing you need to do is have a child. <laughs> I mean, you've got to get things in order before you lay something else as a responsibility in the family. Now, I'm all about kids. I love my boys and things of that nature. But they, it's an investment, right? Time, money, love, discipline. Don't you love disciplining your children? Look forward to it. <laughs> Usually it's kind of like, oh, man, i got to go discipline this kid, and I'm so tired. And, and sometimes you say, oh, whatever, whatever. It's hard work. It's hard work being a dad. It's hard work being a husband. And you you don't get any money. Nobody's gonna come by and you're not gonna get a envelope in the mail. Dad time. You know, five hundred dollars. It's not gonna happen. Now you can get those kids out there at Algonquin and Randall and really start a huge lemonade stand. All right, get those kids working like they did in the old days, all right? Or have them go door to door, sell something. But there's no money. And again, that's a driver for men. And no awards. I mean, I've, I've required that my children, uh, give me some type gift that has number one dad on it every year, uh, just so they remember. <laughs> there's no, there's no, I mean, certainly there's you know, a lot of awards, but not the tangible awards. Uh, anybody have a best dad plaque hanging up anywhere in their home? <laughs> you just don't see that, right? You don't see a best mom plaque, do you? Don't give plaques away. And friends, here is the core of the issue, is that when we look at what the work rewards are, the men are just like, wow, that's the direction I want to go. I want the admiration. I want to feel like I'm accomplishing something. I want more money. And you look at the family rewards, and you go, oh, I should do that. I don't feel a lot of desire to do that, but I should do that. And that is why men, more so than not, cheat their families. Whether being the dads and the husbands, they should be. I did it early on. I have regrets. But this is so important. This is so very, very important. Now, I'm going to tell you what happens in relationships. Fanny Stanley talks about, you know, you go to your wife and you say, Honey, there's a real busy season in my job. I'm starting this thing up or whatever, and I just can't help you with everything. I, I, I just don't have time to do it. So could you carry uh, this burden for me? So you give her the rock. And she's holding the rock. And, and and she's, okay, yeah. I mean, she believes you, right? And you believe yourself. <laughs> and so she holds on to the rock. And then you go over to the kids and say, kids, you know, I'm traveling and there's so much business I have to do and I'm just not going to make it to you know, everything. 
I mean, I'm probably just going to make a few of your games or maybe a recital. And you just have to understand, I'm doing this for you, lie. I'm doing this for you. So could you hold on to this rock? And so they hold on to the rock. And then you walk away and you say, now I am balanced. (laughs) Because I've embraced my business vision. I've given the family. They got to do what I should do. And we forget about it. And of course, we have to continue to go back and continue to encourage them. Listen, I promise, I promise next year things will be different. Keep bringing flowers home until your wife hits you in the face with flowers. (laughs) And the kids, you know, I'm sorry I was so late to that. I really wanted to be there. Now, what eventually happens... As your wife and kids become tired, physically tired, mentally tired, and they're just exhausted, and they drop the rock. And we're so clueless as guys, you know, I'll be sitting at the dinner table, and wife will ask, you'll ask the ketchup. And she just bursts out in tears and leaves the room. I said, what's the big deal? (laughs) Why couldn't she just pass that to me? Or you miss one more event of your kids, and they do not want to talk to you. I cannot tell you how important this is. Because if you let your wife or your kids carry your rock, your responsibility for years, and let's say your wife drops it, that could be the end of your marriage. She's just out of emotional energy. You know, you promise, you promise, you promise to be different. And she realized nothing is going to change. I just can't hold this rock anymore. I'm just too tired. Sometimes divorces come after that. Because you can't rebuild that trust quickly. So obviously, you know, we believe here at Springbrook that God can renew any marriage, renew any marriage. But again, you have to build the trust again that you're not going to give her the rock and walk away. That, same thing with your kids, you know. Uh, it can really affect your relationship with your kids for a lifetime. So the important thing is to really understand this. And really, for guys, it's very unnatural they're used to cheating the family because they want to work. But things have to reverse. And you be with the family. 
and you cheat on work, and you pray that God would take care of your needs. Now, do you think that God could take care of your needs? We easily trust God with our family. Oh, yes, take our family. Family. I mean, we'll get evaluations on our family. Our, our income is not based upon how we do with our family. Take the family, God. You take care of that. And I'll take care of my business. Now, what Andy Stanley did was, I'm going to take care of my family. And I'm going to trust God for my church. That's real faith, isn't it? That's real faith. That's what we need to continue to ask God to do in our lives. Ephesians 5.25, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. That's us, dads, husbands. We need to love our wives... As Christ of the church. How did Christ of the church? He died for the church. That's what he did. So we're told to submit to our wives. The whole passage is about uh, submission and different relationships. But we're told to submit our desires to our wives. And that means... Having that conversation, saying, honey, you know, how can I change? Where are you hurting? What, what rock are you holding for me? And you're thinking, that's a dangerous question. Well, yeah, it is. But it's a question of faith. A question of faith in God that He will provide for you. And you can put your family first in that way. Hebrews 13.5 probably is the most powerful truth that needs to be communicated to our community. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. It's just ravaging homes. Families all around us. This this lust for more money and position in order to live a lifestyle that they want to live. And they're sacrificing their families for it. Hey, I'm still growing in contentment. Uh, It's hard to be content, isn't it? But God will guide you through it. And then he suddenly says, don't trade what is unique to you for something someone else can and will do. So, you lost your job. Well, what happened? You get another person, right? Do the same job. I mean, anybody, well, people of a certain talent level and education uh, can do your job. But men, you have two roles. Husband and father. And if you don't fulfill those, there's nobody to step in. Nobody. So why? Don't trade what is unique to you being a dad and a father, or dad and husband, 
for something someone else can do and will do. You should get Andy's book. Uh, he gives some ideas on how you can go to your boss, supervisor, and maybe, you know, make some changes. You know, you think of creative options and just let them know that that's on your radar screen. That you do have a family and they're very important to you. And if you can't do anything about your job, well, then you need to cut back on your hobby. <laughs> right? Now, you know, guys love sports. Watch less sports. Right? Don't be so consumed with fantasy football and all these types of things because your wife and children need you. And that's what you enjoy. Maybe fishing or hunting, whatever. Whatever is stealing time from them because you can't change anything on the job, well, that's just the way it is because you have to fulfill your God-given responsibility before you have free time for yourself. Well, men... What do you think? I pray that you would really uh, think about this, talk to your wife about it, get the book. And uh, because it's it's really hard to change. It really is. Get an accountability partner. Well, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, uh, this is such a hard area for men. It's hard for me. Because we're so driven toward work, because of the rewards that we get there. But I pray that you will continue to mold and change our mindset in order that we might do what you desire us to do in Christ's name. Amen. I'm going to have, um, let's see, here. Okay. Uh, Oh, you're there. Okay, come on out, my friend. <laughs> I was looking for you up front. I'm ready. Hey, Eric has a story that he wants to share with you. Good, good morning, Springbrook Community Church, and happy Father's Day to all the, the dads out there. Uh, early last week, I received a phone call from Pastor Dan, and he started the conversation with, Eric, do you have a good relationship with your dad? And I had to pause for a minute. For two reasons. Number one, I've never been asked that question before. And number two, I would say yes, now, most of my life, but not always. And as we go, as, as we go through ups and downs in life, the relationships that we have with those closest to us can sometimes be the most strained. Just a little bit about my story. I and my three siblings grew up in a family that did not attend church. My mom grew up Catholic and my dad grew up Protestant. And I could count on one hand how many times we attended one church or the other when I was growing up. My dad, who turned 78 in July, when I was a kid, was a workaholic and an alcoholic. During most of my childhood, my dad worked two and sometimes three jobs and you can imagine, wasn't home very often. I feared my dad. And I can honestly say I really didn't know him very well until I was in high school and when I started doing construction work with him. 
my dad's story is a lot different than mine. He grew up in a household that didn't show a lot of love. He was actually beaten, um, not spanked hard, but actually beaten. And so demonstrating love to his four kids verbally and or physically was pretty much non-existent. In fact, I was 40 years old when over the phone I told my dad that I loved him. His response was, okay. Now, he says that after every time that we speak and when we see each other, we actually hug. And for those who know me very well, hugging, especially another man, is way outside of my comfort zone. (laughs) I can say this, though, that even though my dad did not verbalize that he loved us, by his actions he showed us. This morning, I would like to share with you my life's lessons from my dad. Work hard. All people have value. Treat them with respect. At work, no matter how good you are or think you are, you are replaceable. Assist your neighbor whenever possible and don't expect anything in return. Admit mistakes. We learn more when we do. Be content. Stand up for what's right, even if you're standing alone. Let your values dictate your decisions. Commit to your spouse. My parents have gone through very rough times, financially, emotionally, and with their health, and they've been married over 55 years. Value children. Discipline is a virtue, and self-discipline should be nurtured and not feared. My dad stopped drinking and smoking over 25 years ago. That education is important and not just formal education. Never stop learning. My dad grew up on a farm, left home when he was 17. He was a factory worker, a mechanic, a construction worker, insurance salesman, owned his own real estate business, and he and my mother owned and ran a daycare with 70 students, and that was after they officially retired. Express gratitude. Laugh often, dance more, live within your income, be honest, take care of the elderly. Use your talents, take risk, be selfless, and love life. I could keep going, but I was given a few minutes to speak, so I will end with this. We all become who we are without knowing the full power of the people that influence us and the seemingly small acts that happen daily to shape us. I, like my father before me, in my early days was a workaholic, and along with this message, I cheated my wife and daughter out of time that should have been given to them. Time that I can never get back and time that can never be replaced. Dad's especially young dads out there, with God's help, it's our responsibility to adopt the positive influences that we've been given and to change the negative ones so that we can positively change the future for our own daughters and sons. Thank you.
Thanks, Eric. Appreciate Eric uh, sharing uh, so much, which everybody can relate with. That's what Rashers come forward at this time. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for dads. <laughs> thank you for how you created the family, everybody meeting each other's needs. And I pray that uh, dads would have a great day today, eat a lot of good food, and you know, just do whatever they, they want or their family has planned for them. I pray that we would all express our gratitude for our dads. In Christ's name, amen.